that's why we emphasize repentance and faith, repent and believe as a habit, because this is where God has promised to change us, Mm -hmm. transform us, um, sanctify us in this process. And so we want to be continually giving attention there. We, We don't expect to enjoy any of the fruit of the spirit while we continue in the hardness of our heart and Mm -hmm. in unbelief or sin. But when we become convicted of sin in our lives, we want to be quick to confess that and turn away from it and turn back in faith to all that Mm -hmm. God has said to us. You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles, and we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Make and Multiply. My name is Matt Gruden. I'm one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church. I'm joined this morning by my two good friends, Ryan Chase, another pastor at Emmaus, and Caleb Durenberger, uh, pastoral resident at Emmaus Road Church. And this morning is a good morning as any to get together and, and chat. And this week, we're going to be talking about another listener's question. And just to preface before we dive in, uh, this podcast is a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church. So, um, if you are a member or a regular attender at Emmaus Road Church, uh, you're our direct audience, the ones who we're kind of talking to. So feel free to, if you're on Realm, we're going to be posting uh, the link to more for you to be able to submit a listener's question um, and, and be able to respond to that because we want to engage with whatever it is you have questions about. Um, and certainly for the broader audience, if there are two people out there that <laughs> outside of our, our church that are listening, uh, happy to receive any of those as well. But this morning, we're going to deal with a listener's question that has to deal with the topic of repent and believe. And the question says this, we talk a lot about repenting and believing. However, for me, this often feels very formulaic. Just repent from this and turn from and trust this promise will equal peace and godliness. How do we avoid turning this into a formula if we're even supposed to, and what part does waiting on God play in our repentance? Mm. It's a great question. Mm-hmm. And the, the first part's exactly right. We do talk a lot about repenting and believing. I think uh, at Emmaus Road Church, we that is a key part of our gospel fluency, is talking about repentance and belief. Uh, and we don't want to assume that people know what we mean when we say that. Uh, and because we say it so often, it's, it will take any time, this included, to define what we mean. Um, it's a key part of our, our discipleship huddles. It's a key part of our uh, just life together is this, con- this this dual action of repenting and believing. Mm-hmm. So let's start there, guys. What, what how, how should we, how does the Bible define repent and believe? Yeah, I think a great place to start is the beginning of Mark's gospel in Mark chapter one. Uh, Mark writes, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So there, Jesus himself, as he comes proclaiming the gospel of God, preaching the gospel, he says that the response that calls for is repentance and faith. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then we see that throughout scripture that that is the 
prescription that God gives to his people. Uh, Repentance involves confessing our sin and forsaking it, turning away from it. And faith involves turning to Christ in faith, in in belief, trusting Mm -hmm. his promises, believing his word. And and those two things, they're, they're like two sides of the same coin. You can't really have one without the other. If repentance is turning away from sin and faith is turning to Christ and believing him, uh, it's like, you know, if you're facing north, you you can't turn and face the south without turning away from the north. So one action, turning away from the north, is turning toward the south. Mm -hmm. Turning away from sin is turning toward Christ. You, You can't have one without the other. You can't turn toward Christ and also continue facing your sin and, and moving in that direction. So the, the two go together, but they're just kind of emphasizing distinct parts of that. One, the, the turning away from and forsaking sin. And, and what we see in scripture is uh, this is what God mm. prescribes for us. Uh, really, when he diagnoses our problem, uh, the root of our problem is our sin condition. Mm. The gospel itself is the good news objectively of what God has done for us in Christ that he has died for our sins. He has satisfied and um, absorbed the righteous wrath of God, Mm. and he has paid completely for our sins so that we can be reconciled to God. Repentance and faith, then, that's the response that God calls us to. We are called to respond to this good news so that it becomes true for us and it applies to us when we Mm. repent and believe. And a, a great way to think about that is like Lazarus, when he's dead in the tomb in John 11, Jesus stands outside the tomb and he yells out to him, Lazarus, come out. So there is a response Jesus calls for from Lazarus. But the response of coming out of the tomb, when Lazarus walks out, it would be absurd for him in any way to think that his coming out affected his resurrection from the mm-hmm. dead. Jesus raised him from the dead mm-hmm. by the command, Lazarus, come out. The only fitting response then when he's raised from the dead by the power of Christ is to come out. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, repentance and faith is the same thing. It's not mm-hmm. that we are making our souls live. It's that God makes us live and, and repentance and faith is coming out of the tomb yeah. and coming to Christ. Yeah. There, there's a couple different categories too of like conversion, repentance and belief, which when that, which yes. in Mark where that gospel goes forth and there is the conversion, which is another word meaning to turn away and to turn to right. something else. So there is an initial salvific repentance and belief. Yep. But then, as the as sanctification, the process of being made holy be, goes on throughout our whole life, there is now a continual need to repent and believe because there is a continual presence of indwelling sin. Mm. So all throughout now my life, I am repenting and believing. But that, that repentance and belief is, is different. It's not like I'm every time I sin, I'm, I'm no longer... Secure. I'm no right. longer alive. I'm no longer saved, and now I need to repent and believe in order to become saved. That would be a wrong way of thinking. It's more of this staying alive and breathing. God made you alive, and then the rest of the life of inhaling and exhaling is mm-hmm. repent and believe. Because sin follows us all the way to the grave until Jesus deals with it, and we are made alive again yeah. in Him. So there's this. There, I think there's just that process of of recognizing it isn't this formulaic thing. However, the whole New Testament expects that that repentance, while an independent action, like you said earlier, Ryan, that will always be accompanied with a different action, a a belief in something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of like Zacchaeus who repented, but then did go 
make restitution for all the fraud he committed. I think mm-hmm. of, of Paul, of course, who didn't just, when he was converted, repented, and believed, didn't just you know hide away in Antioch, but actually was began preaching a new gospel, a, the, the true gospel. Yeah. So w- what I'm getting at is repentance and belief. The New Testament understands that to be discernible. Mm-hmm. It, just, it understands that to be noticeable. Yeah. That's James's whole point in James 2, is like, what if you want faith, there will be works that follow. This is the the being made alive, which is Ephesians 2, in order to walk in God's ways. In We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works that we would walk in them. So now, like you were saying earlier, those walk, that walking, the working, the, the action of repentance and belief is not a meritorious earning of our salvation, as if we are putting God in our debt to give us life, but rather you're alive. God made you alive. And now walk in it, live with, live in it. Yeah. Um, and that should be discernible uh, in our everyday life. Yeah. A great analogy for what you're describing there, the difference between conversion, initial salvation, repentance, and faith, and then ongoing repentance and faith in the mm-hmm. Christian life is if you think of a, a, a field full of boulders and weeds and you want to turn it into a, a cultivated garden, um, first you have to go in and take out the rocks and kill the weeds and till the soil, and then you have to plant whatever it is you're going to grow. And after you've done that and your crop starts to grow up, whether you've planted corn or you know it's a garden with flowers, whatever, there, there are still going to be weeds that crop up, but it is now a, a cornfield mm-hmm. or it is, it is now a garden. And when you go through and you pull individual weeds, that's an ongoing process, but, but that's different than that initial burning all the weeds and taking out all the, the boulders. Mm. And yet, it is an ongoing process that you still cultivate and and maintain. So that's why we emphasize repentance and faith, repent and believe as a habit, because this is where God has promised to change us, transform mm-hmm. us, um, sanctify us in this process. And so we want to be continually giving attention there. We, we don't expect to enjoy any of the fruit of the Spirit while we continue in the hardness of our heart and mm-hmm. in unbelief or sin. But when we become convicted of sin in our lives, we want to be quick to confess that and turn away from it and turn back in faith to all that mm-hmm. God has said to us. We just we realize the root of all of our problems is our unbelief. That That's it. And so the way back, when we find that we are in unbelief, we are in idolatry, desiring something other than God, more than God, the way back is confess that, forsake that, turn to God. Mm-hmm. That That's the process. Yeah, and that's one of the primary things that, Matt, you said we do when we meet as discipleship huddles as well, because <clears throat> we don't necessarily come just to talk about what's going on in life and then give each other life advice. Uh, we come to unveil our, our lives and our hearts and our responses to the heat that's going on in our life. Um, Because the aim of our time in discipleship huddles is that every person would experience renewed and strengthened faith in God through Christ. Um, You know, if we leave that meeting still anxious, worried, discontent, then we're still unbelieving. And um, unbelief has to be addressed or it lingers and festers and leads us actually into more unbelief. You know, the author of Hebrews is helpful when he says that sin or an unbelieving heart has a hardening effect. So, you know, like if you were to fall into some concrete, <laughs> some wet concrete. <laughs> fall and, into and, some hard concrete. And if, you, <laughs> and if you don't address that mess right away, well, pretty soon you're going to be slowed down and uncomfortable or whatever might 
I don't know. I've never experienced that before, but whatever might happen, <laughs> not good. Not great. whatever might happen if you don't clean up that mess or wash off that concrete, all that to say is unbelief is, is, is not something that we can just say, oh, we'll, we'll come back to that later, or eventually it'll go away if we just don't address it. Uh, we need to turn away from lies that we're believing. So we need to turn, repent, turn away from sin, turn away from lies that we're believing about God. And, um, to God's promises that he's made to us in Christ, who is our savior. I think, again, that aspect of how we continue on till the end. The uh, author of Hebrews says, we've come to share in Christ, if in Christ, we hold to our original confidence to the end. So that is the, the that, that is how we carry on. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Yeah, and I think it's helpful to, to point out too that just the the fundamental fundamental nature of belief that leads toward action. So I, I don't think we reflect oftentimes the way that our barometer for where we know that sin is happening is in our actions and things we do. Um, but we don't, we need to trace it back to why did we do the thing that we did? Mm. Um, and why, why is it that God, his, his formula, if you will, for change in behavior is to repent and believe. Why does he go all the way back to our goals and our, or what we're our believing and what we're aimed at mm-hmm. is because what we do is informed and decided by the thing that we're aimed at or the thing that mm-hmm. we intend to do. So like if I am after my own happiness, you know, uber all, over all things, and then somebody comes in and begins to tweak with that, I begin to react a certain way. Or if I'm, in other ways, if I'm experiencing something, some like anxiety or whatever, it, it does no good to tell an anxious person, just stop being anxious. Uh, just think different thoughts. Well, no, what we, what we need to do is go back to why am I experiencing anxiety? It's because I'm believing something about God and who he is and who I am and about the situation. So it's helpful to us that God has given us such a, a, a deep, uh, Remedy that goes all the way down to the to the root, mm-hmm. um, and, and and I want to get a little bit in, in a little second here, Ryan, into why is it the listener describes this? It can become formulaic. Mm. Like yes, we believe that God is good, and we believe that He has given us a good formula, if you will, mm. if we want to call it that. Yeah. Maybe a prescription would be. Yeah, that probably be better. But He's given us something to to do. Yeah. to actually change and yeah. has promised that if we do this, we will experience change. And it's not like we can no, in no way merit, uh, consider ourselves meriting that as if like, oh, look what I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe let's let's dive into that. The, the temptation is, the listener's getting at, is that this can just become transactional. This can just become, oh, I did this. Okay, I'll go repent and believe. Okay, now I'm back. I did it again. Now, okay, it's fine. I'll just keep. Yeah. I'll just keep doing this and and never actually getting down. I guess yeah. is that what I mean? Yeah. I, I would just point out in Ephesians four, verse twenty, Paul speaks of the way that you learned Christ. So he assumes that believers in Ephesus have learned Christ, um, and specifically, learning Christ has involved learning how to live in this newness of life in mm. Christ. And then he goes on to elaborate what that way is, thankfully for us, uh, you know, those were left thinking, well, what is that way? And Paul just assumes that they know this. The way you learned Christ, he says, verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, verse 22, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires 
and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, verse 24, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And this is not the only place that Paul speaks of putting off and putting on. Mm. Colossians 3 is another key place. But this is common language in the New Testament, putting off and putting on, which is another way of speaking of repent and believe. And it reminds us that those two things have to go together. Um, you, You can't just put off and then not fill it with something. Yeah. You, you can't just put on the new over top of the old without first taking that off. You, you think of the language here is like clothing, mm-hmm. changing your clothes. If, if you are covered in dirty, sweaty work clothes, and, and then you're going to get ready to go to a, a wedding, you, you don't just put on your nice clothes over top of that. <laughs> you got to take off the old, put on the new. That's that's the process laid out in scripture for how change happens. And the fact that God gives us a process like that and says, here's the way mm-hmm. to walk in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, our temptation to get to your question, Matt, it is to reduce that to a formulaic mm-hmm. um, going through the motions kind, kind of thing. The, the thing. So yes, going through the motions is a real danger. However, the danger is not in the motions, mm-hmm. it's in the lack of heart yes. on our part. So what we need is not different motions. Like, well, I, I, I keep trying that and it's, it's formulaic. And so I must need different motions to mm-hmm. try and that will get me out of this rut. No, what, what you need is to do it from the heart. <laughs> you, no. you, this is the only way there is in Christ is to put off and put on and to do it from the heart, to not just do it in a superficial, external, yeah. performative way, but to mean it, to actually confess our sins and forsake them and to turn to God's promises and believe them no matter how we feel. Yeah. And in fact, to not do that is in fact a unbelief about God and what he, and the, and the means by which he has given us in order to be made right with him again. And it reminds me of the, the, the prophecy in Jeremiah where he says, you know, my people have committed two evils. They've rejected me, the fount of living water. So the people say, ah, we need something more. This is not enough. Uh, we need something deeper, more real. So they turn to broken cisterns. They dig for themselves broken cisterns that can, cisterns that can hold no water. And, and so to, to leave the fount of living water, assuming that there's something else out there that will help me, some other 10-step process, some other, you know, you name it, is to walk away from the fount of living water. Yeah. And to, and by the way, a fount of living water is not like a, because cisterns, right? They 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 don't produce water on their own. They, yeah, they even hold even whole cisterns, not ones that are broken. They just hold water. They can't produce it on their own. Whereas the fount of living water is spring fed. It is mm-hmm. self fed. It's always there. It reminds me of where where uh, Jill in the silver chair. Uh, she she comes to as or she comes to drink from that river, and the lion comes out, and she's terrified, and she does she's dying of thirst, and. She looks at the the lion. The lion says, "Drink, daughter," and he she says, "No, I'll find another stream." And he just simply says, "There is no other stream. <laughs> you drink here, or you die." And that is so true. We have to trust that the that God is good mm-hmm. and that His ways are good. And to not get down to the heart of the matter, I think oftentimes when we do that is because we don't want to get down to the heart. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We 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 actually like that it's formulaic and that I can do something and feel like I've checked a box mm. without actually getting down into the root. I, we can keep God at arm's length without actually getting down into the um, down to the bottom. And again, reminds me of, gosh, Lewis just helps us. <laughs> it reminds me of Eustace and the dragon. When he becomes the dragon, he tries to tear off his own skin and he cannot go deep enough and it takes Aslan to 
dive in and go all the way down to, to penetrate all the way down to the heart of it in order to change him. Those are just helpful pictures to show if I were left to my own, I would never get deep enough. Yeah. And yet God, through this process of repentance of faith, set in the context of community. I think that's crucial is I cannot repent and believe without repenting and believe, repenting to someone and believing in a different promise. And that happens primarily in the context of gospel communities. Of Because when I sin, nine times out of 10, I'm sinning against other people. I always sin against God, but I'm also sinning against other people. Mm-hmm. So this process of repenting and believing is a it's just a really sweet knitting together of gospel community because it's based on the gospel repenting, believing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, getting to the heart, I think, is the answer to the 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 danger of the formulaic going through the motions thing um, because it's possible just to say the words and and you know confess and say that you believe, but to not mean it. And I think when we don't experience the fruit, that's the problem is that we're not actually trusting in God from the heart. Yeah. And so that that's, we need to go back, like Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, um, putting off the old self that's corrupt through deceitful desires. And mm. you were mentioning earlier, what we're dealing with when we get down to the root level, the surface, the external sin that comes out in our attitudes and actions, that all is coming from the root of what we're thinking, what we're believing, what we're desiring, and, and that's the level where we have to deal with with our sin before God and before others, like you're saying, honestly, mm-hmm. um, to turn away from those false desires, yeah. deceitful desires, to, to turn to Christ and trust in Him. And I just say this all the time, uh, it is simple, but it's not easy. And I think those two are easily confused. Uh, it's a simple process and we often want to overcomplicate it and think, well, those two steps that God has prescribed, there's got to be more. There's yeah. got to be a, a third <laughs> thing or a, you know, 15 things or um, something more to it. No, that that's it. And it's very simple, but simple is not the same thing as easy. And it can be difficult when we're dealing with deceitful desires. <laughs> that, mm. That's that's the nature of them. They are deceitful. They're they're tricky. Um, we are when we are in unbelief, sin has a blinding effect. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to deal with it honestly. It's painful to confess sin. There's a death to self that's involved in that. Mm. Uh, so it, it can be a, a challenging process. And then we find you might be in faith, trusting a promise from God. Five minutes later, you might be back in unbelief. You know, Caleb, you're talking about anxiety that just kind of lingers and doesn't go away. And, and sometimes I, that I think that's a common experience where, okay, I'm, I'm trusting God. I'm assured that his promises are true. And it's just a couple minutes later that I'm right back mm-hmm. to my anxious mind is racing again. And I realize these are the same unbelieving thoughts. And so that can be discouraging when, mm-hmm. you, when you realize this is not like pushing an easy button or flipping a light switch and just, okay, I, I did it now peace has arrived. It's, it's like th- we, we speak of it the way Paul does as the fight of faith because we're in a battle. And oftentimes we are battling to keep our minds stayed on the promises of God mm. when unbelieving thoughts just so quickly rush back in. So yeah. Yeah. The reality of the reality of our sin can actually have that effect because we just keep sinning and keep sinning. It's like, I was trusting and now I'm anxious again. And it can have that effect of like, this isn't working. Let's abandon it. But when we take this as 
that the habit or the the prescription that God has laid out for us, and we keep doing it again and again and again, pretty soon, just like brushing our teeth, you know, it's not something that we're just so super mindful of that we're doing. It is like the air we breathe. It is breathing out and breathing in. And we do then experience the fruit of that. Um, because the reality, reality of our sin is so great. It, 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 repentance and faith does magnify that. It doesn't say like your sin is just small and you guys can, you can handle this. God says, no, it is so great. And, and so keep doing what I've prescribed for you to do. Um, and I think that part, part of the question I think that is helpful too, is I think the listener refers to waiting on God. Um, Mm. I I think when I hear that, I, I just, what I think of is how am I, what promises of God am I, um, recalling to mind? What promises of God am I actually taking with me as I go? Um, so that when that happens, when I'm in my car and that person cuts me off or when my child reacts in such a way that causes me to react in such a sinful way, um, what am I recalling in that moment? How am I waiting on, how is, how I've waited on God affecting in that moment right there so that I'm able to turn quickly rather than letting things pile up and then all of a sudden I have a bigger mess later on. Um, I think waiting on God is critical uh, all the time in, in reminding ourselves this is the one who's trustworthy and this is the one who's made promises that mm. are kept to you. So mm. believe these rather than the lies that you're tempted to believe. It's yeah. good. Yeah, I, I would emphasize uh, in terms of waiting on God as well, I, I think it's important to, to think of that biblically. What that means is believe. W- to wait on the Lord in scripture is to believe in him, to hope in him. So it's mm. waiting on God is not separate from the faith part of repent and believe. Um, because when you are waiting, think of a bunch of people in a waiting room. Um, waiting is like uh, usually uh, an involuntary thing because circumstances are outside of your control. So you're going to wait one way or the other. Mm. How are you going to wait? Are you going to wait nervously, anxiously? Are you going to be frustrated and angry? Or are you going to be content. Waiting on the Lord is an expression of faith that says, I'm trusting you in your time Mm. to fulfill your promises. That's the whole nature of it. So you've made promises to me. I am consciously calling them to mind. I'm believing that you're going to act for my good. I don't see it. So I'm waiting for you. And that is not, I think the danger would be to think of waiting as a very passive mystical thing. Like I'm going to sit here and do nothing (laughs) and hope that I get struck by a divine bolt of sanctification, that suddenly I acquire the peace that I so desperately want. Mm. Now, waiting or my circumstances change, so believing's easier, yes. which would not be actually Correct. believing the right thing. Right, right, right. Because then the change comes not because I'm trusting the Lord, but just because, oh, the circumstances change, and now I don't need to trust the Lord right. because everything's fine. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So waiting on God is, it, it's not a passive thing. Don't think of it as just sitting around. Uh, it's an active I'm calling to mind what God has said, and I'm trusting that he's going to do that in his time, and I'm waiting for him to do that. Kind of like Abraham going up the mountain with Isaac. He is waiting on God. (laughs) He Mm -hmm. is looking around like, what is going to happen here? And Hebrews 11 tells us, Abraham reasoned in his mind, the, the fight of faith was, he was reasoning, well, God can raise Isaac from the dead. He has promised that my offspring are going to descend from Isaac, so... I don't see any other way out of this. Isaac is going to die, but God is going to raise him from the dead. He's just waiting for God to do that. And God actually acts sooner than 
Abraham was expecting by providing this ram as a substitute mm-hmm. and intervening. And But that's waiting. That, that is what it looks like to, to wait on the Lord. So you, you keep going, you, you get up and you do the next thing that you have to do. And this is where I often point people to uh, John Piper's acronym, APTAT. We should do a whole episode on, on that, um, where you are admitting your need for God because mm-hmm. your circumstances are overwhelming or you are buried in, in unbelief and, and sin. You, you admit that to God. Uh, you pray, you cry out to him, you trust a specific promise. And then I think the key, that that second A in Aptat is you act. Mm-hmm. You, you get up and you go do mm-hmm. the next thing you got to do. And you, you are doing that in faith because you've confessed to God, I'm struggling, I need you, I'm asking for help, I'm trusting a promise, now I got to go do this thing. And, and it, then you're waiting on God and he will work as you trust him. And then the last T is you, you thank God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you thank him for showing up and, and delivering in his timing. So yeah. I, I think that's crucial to understand about waiting on God. Yeah. It is, that's faith, but the Bible's not giving us a, a different thing. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, it comes down to, do we trust that God's ways are best? Yeah. Do we trust that when he prescribes things, when he prescribes a medicine, he's a good physician, he's a good doctor, he knows us, he, he knows us better than we know ourselves, he knows our frame, and he knows where we're most likely to be tempted, in certain situations, and so he he has prescribed for us the remedy yeah. to all that we all that we might face is to repent and believe. So that, yeah. that's why we at Emmaus Road Church talk about it so much. That's why we love it because it's such a critical component to the gospel that we cherish, of the gospel being an objective event, uh, an actual historical redemptive event where Christ, the Son of God, actually did come incarnate and did actually bear our sins on the cross, and did actually die, did actually rise from the grave, and then was ascended to heaven, and is seated there now. That that happened. Mm-hmm. And the gospel now responses, what say you to that? Mm-hmm. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 says, well, that message is going to go forth, and people are going to have two responses. They're either going to see it as the power of God, those who are being saved, or they're going to think it's foolishness, those who are perishing. So mm-hmm. repentance and belief is that response, that that power of God in believing to mm-hmm. turn away from my sin into something else. So we love this thing and we cherish it. I, I got one more thing. I feel like Lieutenant Columbo, who's always always got one more thing. Just trying to uh, end, trying to land the plane. I know, Ryan. I know. But just a little touch and go here. Uh, I, because I think this is too important to skip over just as giving some practical advice if you feel stuck in that formulaic, just going through the motions. I just kind of pray this mindless prayer confession, I belief, and nothing's happening, and I'm just... I think a way to get out of that rut is to grab a, a piece of paper and a pen, and writing is often... Somebody said it's it's the truest form of thinking. When you put things down on paper, you are being much more honest with yourself. It's, it can be painful to actually write out your unbelieving thoughts, mm. and, and just journal. Make a list of what are the thoughts I'm thinking? What are the desires that I'm experiencing? So that you get down to the heart, not just, well, I'm acting in anger sinfully to my children. Just stop and write out, why? What am I wanting so much? Mm. Um, it, it, just list all the things you can think that I'm thinking, I'm believing, I'm wanting. Catalog that and then confess that to God and take the time to specifically identify, am I just saying in general that I believe God or am I holding on to a specific promise right now? Because going through the motions, I know personally, when I'm going through the motions, I just tend to say in general, I trust you. 
And I don't want to take, I don't want to stop and take two minutes to think of well, what's a specific promise I, I need to cling to right now. That really strengthens our faith when it's not just a vague, I believe in God and I'm hoping he, you know, supernaturally changes me without me actually trusting him. When I go and find a promise and I cling to that and I meditate on that and I hold mm-hmm. that in my mind, um, that's key. So I, I just think that's a very practical way to get out of the rut of just going through the motions. It's yeah. got to be specific. Mm-hmm. That's good. So that's why we spend so much time thinking about repentance and belief. That's why we spend so much time uh, encouraging it. We make it a part of our regular rhythm and our huddles and, and we preach this message because this is all we have. Um, and it's enough and it's good and gracious from the Lord. So, uh, today and every day, repent and believe and, mm-hmm. and turn from your sin, take off the old man, put on the new. You are the oldest passed away. The new has come. And so be reconciled to God and he has made a way for us in Christ. So what a message. Thank you guys. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles or missional communities or gospel fluency, you can reach out to your missional community leader. And if you're not yet plugged into gospel community at Emmaus Road, visit us online at EmmausRoadSF.com.